You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, we have done it again. We have made it to Friday, people. Off and running on this Friday, September 18th. Hey there. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Wow, what a wild night that was. More than we could possibly get to over the course of this next hour. We'll try. Why not? we got nothing else to do. But I'm just warning you right now, the amount of stuff, if you want to get on board, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question will be up for the day uh, momentarily. And we have to touch on the one from yesterday, a historic daily poll question yesterday, which we will touch on before we get out of here at 6 o'clock, assuming I don't, my ADHD doesn't pop up again. But where to begin? I mean, how much fun was last night? Now, I know the Islander fans are saying not so much, jerk. Sorry, I understand. It's still a little fresh. I get it. But remember when this year we were all, you know, kind of shut down as sports fans? We were desperate. I mean, we were desperate for anything. People were watching the Korean Baseball League, just to have something to watch every day. When you tell your grandkids it was so bad, we were watching baseball from, we didn't even know the players. We just watched it because we were needing something to watch. Or remember when we watched The Last Dance and we'd break it down like it was Goodfellas? I mean, it was good, but, you know, it was like uh, manna from heaven. We were so desperate for sports. And then to have a night like last night, You got the football, week two, a really good game. The Yankees are doing their thing. The Islanders are in the Eastern Conference Finals. The NBA playoffs. Even the Mets. Even the Mets. Look at the Mets. Trying their best to suck you in one last time right before they yank the football away when you try to kick it. Now, remember. Remember that time when we were all so desperate for sports? Now, remember how desperate you were for any live sports next Thursday when it's Jaguars and Dolphins on Thursday. Ooh, wow. That's a, oof, ah, yikes, that's a rough one there. But I guess we should start with the Islanders, right? Because in case you didn't stay up for it last night, Islander season comes to an end. They lose the Lightning in overtime 2-1. to one. So it's, what, Tampa-Dallas for the Cup, right? That ratings bonanza. I, at, as a sign of how frustrated I am over the Islanders season being over, I will let you know right now, I'll be boycotting the Stanley Cup final. And always make sure you call it the Stanley Cup final. It's not the Stanley Cup finals. I don't know why it's that way, but all the other series are series. But that one's the Stanley Cup final. Well, look, here's the thing. The Islanders season comes to an end. It ends in overtime. It ends in painful fashion, right? If it ends anyhow, it's going to end in painful fashion. But your team gets ousted. And I think anytime your team loses in the playoffs after an amazing run. And that's what it was for the Islanders. It was an amazing run. And when you're a team that hasn't been there in so long, there's a mix of emotions anytime. But I think when it, it's a little different when your team gives you this unexpected run, right? There, there is some anger. There is some frustration. But the fact that the future seems so bright, I think, maybe not for everyone, kind of gives you some resolve. And look, the, the team played its heart out. Uh, I think they lost the better team. That's probably not what you want to hear right now. But anytime you lose, I always bring up the old John Madden line, anytime you lose, the pain is not just that the season's over 
and you don't get to have any fun anymore, right? Like, it was fun watching the Islanders, and especially if you're an Islander fan, waiting all this time, all the ineptitude of the organization, and now seems like the organization is on some pretty stable footing. But it's all the work you got to do to get back just to the same point, right? Not even further. Just to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals and hoping to make uh, the Cup Final. And I think that there's an assumption, especially when you have a team like the Islanders, there's an assumption that you will. Nobody knows, but I think everybody, when you get, well, you know, it's an amazing run, but there's always next year, right? That's what people will say. Uh, and, and a lot of, most of the times, it doesn't work out that way, right? Windows of opportunity open and close a lot quicker than we all expect. But I think the fact that, you know, Lou Lamarillo got here, what, two years ago? I think that that should give you some real hope. And it seems, I mean, just take a look at the teams in this town. Uh, in terms of stable footing within the organization. I think that the Islanders are, are pretty close to the top. Now, as for last night, I mean, they had so few chances early on. And again, I was not uh, exclusively focused on the Islander game because there were so many other things going on. You had the Browns and the Bengals. You had the Yankees going on, uh, the NBA playoffs. But that second period when I was – I mean, it just seemed like they had zero shots at all. And it felt like – and I guess this is just giving you a little extra pain. It felt like it was building, right? Like the second period, I think it was early on the second period, maybe midway through the second period. I mean, they were doing, it didn't seem like they had any opportunities at all, certainly not any good opportunities. And then it seemed like it was building and building and building in that third period. Even Doc Emmerich, I think it was like two or three minutes to go in that uh, in the third period. Even he at one point in the break of the action went, woof. You know, like it felt like it was building towards the Islanders finally breaking through and getting that goal. And uh, it was not to be. So uh, a sad season, uh, a sad end to a great season for the Islanders. So for the Islander fans, um, you know, I, I do think that you do have a lot of positives, not just in the run this year, but looking forward. Then, of course, last night we also got two, week two underway. The Browns and Bengals, Cleveland. I mean, how many times did you hear yesterday that Cleveland needed a win? Because with those personalities on that team, that's always going to be a team that's like teetering on the brink, right? Like if they lose last night, God, I mean, it could just all implode because of the personalities that they have on that team. And I thought Baker Mayfield looked really, really good. I think people have kind of forgotten. You know, Baker Mayfield, when you take a look at the quarterbacks in that draft class, you know, not not Lamar Jackson because he's separate because he's been. I mean, he was the MVP. But the first four guys, you know, they all kind of, you know, how is this going to break down? And the answer was uh, none of them. the The answer was actually the fifth guy. But Baker Mayfield, he is not like Sam Darnold. He's not like Josh Rosen. I mean, he has proven that he can play quarterback at a pretty high. I mean, people have forgotten that rookie year. He had 13 starts. He threw for 27 touchdowns, 14 picks, 3,800 yards. He had a completion percentage of 63%. Now, I get it. He was brutal last year, and it did kind of make you step back and say, you know, what you thought you knew, maybe you didn't know. And week one, he was, he was, he was awful. Um, but I think that that might just be a sign of just how good the Ravens might be, right? I mean, like, he was taking on the Baltimore Ravens defense, uh, but it was it was kind of crazy to me the amount of uh, of focus on Baker Mayfield going into last night, and it seemed like not that that they lost the game or he did not perform well that that people were ready to cut bait at that point, but it did certainly seem like people were making it out like well you know what if Baker Mayfield 
doesn't all of a sudden turn back into the player he was two years ago. It's time to move on. And I think that that was premature because you watch a game like last night, and I did not watch the uh, week one game against the Ravens live. I have the game pass, so I kind of went back. But, you know, it, it just always alters how you see the game when you know how the game turned out. But you watch a game like last night, and you just realize how much ridiculous talent that the Browns have on offense. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, how many teams would Kareem Hunt start for? I mean, he he's excellent. Odell is uh, finally made a play. Jarvis Landry, they got the tight end Hooper. I mean, I don't know how good the Browns offensive line is. It looked brutal in week one. It looked a little bit better last night. But, I mean, boy, oh, boy, they have all the talent in the world on offense, and they should be able to put up some big numbers this year. And just to get to Odell, because, I mean, the reaction to his touchdown, it was a great touchdown, fantastic. But, I mean, the guy makes one play. And even before the game, uh, you see stories, Odell wants to get back at his critics, and then he catches the touchdown, and the amount of people chiming, oh, don't forget how great he is, he's the best, blah, blah, blah. Well, A, if he wants to get back at his critics, go do it. I'm not stopping you. I'm just a guy watching the game. He is exhausted. He almost forgot how exhausting he is to watch. It's like his first big game in like a year. What about the other 14 weeks? So it's great that uh, he uh, finally was able to do something uh, and help the Browns win. But let's not get it twisted like he's putting up these monster numbers every single week. He's not. And he's not blameless in the situation either. He gets targeted plenty. Now, again, Baker Mayfield was not good last year, but you know, he was good that rookie year. He was he that rookie year, he put up some great numbers and he had some good performances, so um I don't think that you can just cut bait, and I don't think that you can make it out like, you know, Odell's been waiting for him. It's always, Odell's always blameless, right? It never, never anything to do with him. Never anything to do with him. So, I mean, lots of stuff going on last night, right? We touched on the football. We touched on the Islanders. What was the other thing that went on last night? Uh, oh, that's right. Now, the Yankees played last night, and they won again. So that's uh, eight in a row. So, um, but Brian, uh, you have given me the wrong uh, sheet of uh, highlights because, no, well, no, I think you gave me the wrong one because uh, I see all these home runs. These are all from the night before. Now, two uh, nights ago, they hit that? all those home runs, and I thought it was the wrong sheet yesterday. But there's no way that the team that hit all those home runs two nights ago and then hit them. Uh, or actually three nights ago, then two nights ago, and then last night again. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Nobody could hit all these home runs night after night. But actually, the Yankees can. So I was getting the kids to bed last night, and you got all this stuff going on. So I realized, you know, the wife's going to go to sleep. i got to stay up and watch all this stuff. So I said, you know what, let me get the kids to bed. I'll go downstairs, watch in the basement, flip around, DVR stuff, you know, so I can kind of catch up on everything. And... uh I went down just as the home run barrage began because I left. It was 2-2. I said, all right, you know, close game. Let's see if we can win another one. It would be nice to be able to put another win on the Blue Jays, get a little bit more distance. I get down there. I was like 8-2. I'm like, what happened, and how did it happen so fast? Gardner with the home run, talking about uh, sucking people in again. before. Get- I mean, they'll give him postseason at bats, and it'll be a complete zero. But uh, I don't want to be negative on a positive day. LeMayhew going deep, Luke Voigt going deep, Giancarlo Stanton going deep, Glaber going deep. Five home runs in the fourth inning. First time that the Yankees have done. Think about that. Forget about other teams. You know, other teams' history is other teams' history. 
the Bronx Bombers. That is the, 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 the team of Ruth and Gehrig and Mantle and Dimaggio. The first time the Yankees have hit five home runs in an inning. And the first team to hit home runs, uh, that many home runs in uh, six straight games. I, I mean, I know we criticized, and I did too. Brian Cashman, I think, needs to give us all a pep talk. Now, it takes, it takes 24 hours. It doesn't work right away. But like 24 hours after that pep talk, he's like, dude's like Tony Robbins. It's unbelievable. And Luke Voigt's incredible. Sanchez said yesterday his at-bats were starting to look better. Now, I'm sure he'll suck me in and, and then, uh, you know, drop the hammer. But Stanton looking great last night. Stanton's kind of forgot about it. He's just hitting rockets last night. So uh, lots of stuff to discuss about the Yankees. We'll get into that coming up. We'll get your phone calls, 1-800-919-ESPN. Coming up, we got to recap yesterday's, again, historic poll question. Something we have never seen before. Uh, we still have to touch on the Jets. We got to get to the Giants as we head into week two. The issues surrounding both NBA playoffs, poll question. And yesterday, I floated. Brian, you weren't here for the show. Ray oh, Santiago. Yeah, he, he filled in admirably. And he actually helped me decide the poll question, and it worked out very well. So I actually have two in my mind, and I will float them to you okay. when we come back, and we'll decide what the poll question is together. How about that? Sounds good to me. Um, the poll question, which is not up for today, but uh, I first wanted to say that yesterday's poll question was truly historic. I went back. Now, I couldn't spend the entire day doing it, but I went back. Yesterday was only the fifth time in the entire year of 2020 that we've hit 90%. We do poll questions every single... All right, huge. 90%, breaking that 90 percentile, very, very rare. And yesterday, it was not just 90%, it was way over. We hit, for the first time ever, 97%. Now, at least according to the amount of research that I did while I was... um, I better not say what I was doing. But while I was sitting by myself in a specific room, and I went back, and my legs were getting a little tingly. I had to get up. Um, so 97% is not something we often hit. And I can't find any evidence that we've ever hit it before. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to the voters. We finally found something that we could, and what what do I always say, Brian? What what do I do? What is my goal here as a talk show host? Is it to to spur dissent? Is it to no, make people angry? No, what is it? to bring people together. That's what I do. I try to find the common ground. I find a try to people to grasp hands and come together in a kumbaya moment. And yesterday, think about all the things we have going on in the world. Can you find anything that ninety seven percent of people could agree on? It's very, very rare. We're so polarized as a country, as, as people. But 97% of you decided that you would rather, you have more confidence in a magic eight ball than either Adam Gase or Christopher Johnson. Now, Christopher Johnson, he came in at 1.3%. So uh, basically 1%. Uh, Adam Gase got 2%. So at least uh, Adam Gase, there's more people that believe in Adam Gase than Christopher Johnson, but I was just trying to figure it out based on the amount of votes that we got. Uh, I think that that means 2% would be, I think I figured it out. I got all these numbers written down on this piece of paper. I think it turns out to be 12 people. 
We found 12 people in the listening area who have more faith in Adam Gase than a Magic 8-Ball. It happened! It happened! And I can update you as well, Amazon Prime, we ordered the uh, Magic 8-Ball while on the air yesterday, and uh, when I saw my wife for the first time yesterday, what do you think the first words out of her mouth was? Why did you purchase a Magic 8-Ball at 5.15 in the morning? And I had to explain to her, and uh, she did not see the brilliance in the radio segment, but look, uh, you know, uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So we will, have the, we will not have the Magic 8-Ball today. Amazon Prime is arriving uh, today at the Damer household. So we'll have the Magic 8-Ball, and we'll break down week two. And maybe that will be a Monday feature, because look, there's no way the Jets are going to win on Sunday, right? We, we already realize that, right? I mean, that's a loss, because after all, listening to a portion of the Jet fan base... There is nothing that Sam Darnold can do. Uh, He's he's powerless. He's blameless. There's not a single thing that he can do. He's forced to throw interceptions. He's forced to overthrow receivers. He's he's powerless. It's the first person in the history of the NFL, if not professional sports, where his performance in a key position, you can't question it. He's got no weapons. He's got no help. The organization has failed him. And again, no, we take phone calls every single solitary day. Not a single person, certainly not I, has ever said that Sam Darnold is the biggest problem or the only problem. Nobody has ever said that. We take calls all day long on this station. And as I bring up all the time, they're not all golden. They're not all making coherent points. There's ridiculous points made. But nobody is saying it's all Sam Darnold's fault. But for a portion of the Jet fan base, he is it's not his fault at all. He is blameless. Nothing. He had to throw that interception throwing across his body a guy who's triple covered. Had to. The pass to, to Chris Hogan, he had to sail it 10 feet over his head. That sack he took when he was running towards the sidelines five, line, five yards behind the line of scrimmage, he had to do that. You can't blame him for that. So yesterday, we focused a lot on Christopher Johnson's comments. That was the poll question. Um, and really, I think that the, the results probably would have been the same even without the comments, but the comments didn't help. So yesterday, what, did we, what, what word did we use a lot? about the Jets. It was evidence, right? You're saying that Adam Gase is this brilliant offensive mind. Where is the evidence? So Mike Greenberg uh, of uh, Get Up, of the show here on uh, 98.7 FM ESPN New York at 1 o'clock, he did a magical job of kind of breaking, he used that same word, evidence. So here's Greeny, I think it was from TV yesterday, uh, talking about- It was from Get Up. It was from Get Up. Okay, here's Mike Greenberg from Get Up. Yes, I, I mean the guy's got so many shows. I can't keep track. I only have the one hour. If I say something, you know exactly where it came from. Mike, it, you know it's a little different. So this is Greenberg from uh, from Get Up yesterday talking about Christopher Johnson and just asking for where is the evidence that Adam Gase is this brilliant offensive mind. Here's Greeny. So the acting owner of the Jets thinks Adam Gase has a brilliant offensive mind. To that, I reply. What on earth could possibly have given you that impression? There is certainly no evidence that it's true. What there is, in fact, is overwhelming evidence that the exact opposite is true. Consider that in no season that Peyton Manning was not his quarterback did any of Gase's teams ever finish in the top half of the league in scoring. The last three seasons, in fact, 
They finished 28th, 26th, and 31st. That's in a 32-team league. In 17 games under Gase, the Jets have scored 33 touchdowns, and they've punted 93 times. They have scored on 24% of their possessions. That's the worst in the league. They've gone three and out on 44%. That's the worst in the league. Their average drive has gained 23 yards. All of those are the worst in the NFL. But wait, there's more. When the Jets acquired Le'Veon Bell, he had averaged more total yards per game than any player in history ever. Under the brilliant offensive mind, Bell is 27th in the league in yards per game. And there's one more, just so you know, this is not just my fandom talking. Under Gase in Miami, Ryan Tannehill was so bad, the Dolphins traded him for mid-round draft picks, and they chipped in $5 million just to get rid of him. Then in his first year in Tennessee, away from Gase, Tannehill had the fourth highest passer rating in history and led the Titans to the AFC title game. Those are all facts. They happened. And they beg one big question, Christopher Johnson. If the coach has a brilliant offensive mind, what in the world is he doing with it? All right, so there's Greeny. I mean, you really can't lay it out any better than that, right? I mean, you just take a look at the, the, what he's done with the Jets, what he went back into Miami. And I do think that, that that last stat that he gave you about Ryan Tannehill is telling. Because we can all argue about what weapons the Jets have, what players the Jets have. All this type of stuff. But for the coach, for the coach, I think great coaches are able to maximize the talent they have around them. They get better performances than others. After all, not everybody gets the same amount of talent. And if you go back to Gase's time in Miami and you take a look at the players, I would simply ask Christopher Johnson, if he has the Google as I have, this, this Google.com, you can do so much with it. Go back and look at the talent he had and just simply ask yourself, where are the examples of Adam Gase and his coaching maximizing the talent that he had at that time? Like his first year in Miami, they made the playoffs largely due to the fact that the Jay Ajayi, the running back, was running for you know 200 yards a week. He had his best season of his career. Uh, He had 1,272 yards and eight touchdowns. Now, his production probably would have been even better if he had not been benched by Gase for the season-opening game. So it wasn't until Ajay really got going, Miami got off to a slow start that year, and then Ajay started running wild every single week, and that's why they made the playoffs. But you take a look at that roster in Miami. They won 10 games, uh, and, and that was the first year that Tannehill got hurt. But you take a look at the roster. They had Ajay doing what he did. They had Kenyon Drake. They had Damian Williams. They had Jarvis Landry. They had Devontae Parker. They had Kenny Stills. I mean, the amount of talent that was on that team was ridiculous. And there's not really anyone outside of Ajay who they then, Gase had a falling out with, and didn't, I don't know if it was the contract, I don't know what it was, but he, the next year, traded him to the Eagles. Almost, it seemed like at the time he was he was punishing him. Yeah, oh, way, way to punish him, trade him to the Super Bowl champion Eagles. But you can take a look at all those guys. There's not a single even guys who perform well like Landry. I think he had 100. I think that was the year he had like 112 catches. He led the NFL with 112 catches, uh, a Pro Bowl season. But that's also basically what he did with Joe Philbin, the 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 the, the coach before, and it's basically what he did in Cleveland. 
And then the following season when the Dolphins, you know, went down because Jay was not running for 200 yards every – I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's not Emmitt Smith. It was Gase who decided to continue to ride a 35-year-old Frank Gore as his lead back rather than a 24-year-old Kenyon Drake. I mean, there's no way you can say he has a track record of maximizing the, the talent on offense. There's just, again, the word that I would use is evidence. There is simply no evidence of it. All right, one 919 ESPN, one 919 All right, so the poll question for today, Brian, I'm going to allow you to make the choice. And if it, if it tanks, it's on you. Just know uh, that this, this is a big opportunity. I don't lot usually pressure. allow you to, to make these kind of decisions, but it worked out so well yesterday okay. that uh, I'm going to get So I could go with a, a straight sports question. The sports question that came to mind to me last night while watching the Yankee game was just how amazing Luke Voigt is. So the sports question would be, Best first baseman in New York right now. Is it Pete Alonso or is it Luke Foyt? So that's straightforward, right? Straight Very sports straightforward. Question. Okay. The second one is one I've been toying with. Now, when things start, right, the, the fact that the, the, the hockey is going to end here soon and the NBA is going to end here soon, the baseball is going to be over by the end of October. We're going to be in a little bit of a weird position because it's going to be football and the, 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 the hockey and the, the basketball is not going to start up again as quickly as usual. So that's when we're, we're targeting the Regal Tumble. Oh, yeah. The Gordon Damer Show Regal Tumble to find the best TV show of all time. But I have been toying with this idea that I feel like the more intriguing option is not the best TV show of all, because we've had that conversation before. And I think that the even as, as wide-ranging as we're casting the net and everybody's putting in their, their two cents on, on Twitter, hashtag Regal Tumble, that I think the more intriguing option would be to find the greatest TV show theme song of all time. Oh. I think that that's more fun. <laughs> so do we open it up to people to ask them which direction the Regal Tumble should go? Greatest TV show, greatest TV show theme song of all time. Or do we go with the straight you know, sports question for the sports show, which would you, which do you, which one are you more intrigued by? Because well, if you are intrigued by it, I think most people will be. Well, isn't like kind of like Friday regularly or like yeah, kind of off the beaten off path? The beat, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the latter because you I, like the regal tumble. I like the regal tumble. Best. All right. Well, Brian, it's all on you, my friend. If uh, it if it <laughs> succeeds, I will take all the credit. If it tanks. You're the person. I'm, I'm Just the know that's the okay. deal going in. If you know the real, if you know the rules going in, you can't complain. The other one All is right. very tempting, though. Luke Voy and right. Pete Alonso. It's very tempting. It is tempting, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's not really that. It's not really a question, right? I mean, like right now, the, look when a Met pops up and starts performing the way that Luke Voigt is right now. What do we hear? Like right last year, you heard all about well, Pete Alonso. He's better than Aaron Judge. Right? I mean, that's what you hear. As soon as anybody has any success whatsoever on the Mets, he's better than the Yankee. So I just thought I would bring up, I mean, the, the evidence uh, of Luke Voigt being better than Pete Alonso, I think, is is more uh, established than than most of the other ones. I was going to do something crazier, but, like, I don't think that's a great idea. You should have put the one of those questions, and I put the other question, and the ESPN. Oh no, that's too many questions. No, I know, we don't need too many questions on a Friday. Right? It's, it Brian, is Friday. They're already looking forward to the weekend. I, I'm already <laughs> looking forward to my adult beverages later on this afternoon. Oh, and, uh, I, I believe whether or not those, uh, that whether or not I make it to like one o'clock is a is a is a stretch. All right, so the poll question for today will be focused on the Regal Tumble. Should the Regal Tumble be focused more on the greatest TV show of all time? 
or should it be focused on finding the greatest theme song of all time for a TV show? Ooh. So that will be the poll question. We'll put it up shortly. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls involved, 1-800-919-ESPN. We'll look ahead to week two. Well, we already kind of looked ahead to week two with the Jets. The game's over. We can't, there's no possibility of faith. them winning. No faith. It's done. It's, it's all, no, it's not even faith. It can't, it can't be done. Sam can't be asked to raise the level of the people around. It's, it's too much. It's too much. High fly ball, right field. There it goes. They've done it again. They set a big league record, 17 home runs in three games. And the Yankees lead 8-2 to two as Stanton's having a night. A single, a double, and now a home run. All right, so there you go. Michael K. of course, the call, courtesy of yes. The, I mean, we had so many options for today on the moment of inspiration. And we decided to go with Giancarlo Stanton, his home run, and his really, his performance last night. I'm not the biggest fan, and uh, that's kind of been the case since, since, they, since they got him. But, but he's, at this point, kind of forgotten about, right? Like, everybody was focusing on getting Aaron Judge back, Aaron Judge back, Aaron Judge back. And, and the fact that Stanton comes back at the same time... I almost feel like he's kind of a forgotten man, and he can certainly make a big impact, and it's not going to be, you know, it's great that the Yankees won the game like they did, and they've been winning these games, and it's great to pass the the Blue Jays and kind of secure your spot. You're going to be, uh, I think, certainly the number two spot in the American League East, and, and just who you match up against in that first round is up for grabs. It would be great if it's the Twins, but it's great that they have games like last night, but let's not make a. I mean, they're never. They're not going to have games like that in the playoffs, right? So, and and that's how the Yankees are judged. They're judged by what they do on the playoffs. So, it's fun to watch. It's great to see all these home runs. It was almost comical, and I couldn't believe. Like the Blue Jays, couldn't somebody go out and talk to uh, the the guy on the mound? I mean, he he gave up three home runs on three consecutive pitches. It wasn't even like the guys were like battling fouling off a lot of ball. It was home run, home run, home run. Could somebody go talk to him? I don't know. Just uh, maybe Brian Cashman. Do you have a Brian Cashman you could, that could go and give someone a pep talk? Those Brian Cashman pep talks. They're fantastic. It takes a little while for them to sink in. But boy, oh boy, when they sink in. And just the Luke Voigt uh, point that I, I, I should have probably brought up before. What he is doing is just incredible. I mean, you take a look, they'll you know show graphics during the game, and he's on these lists with Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth. He's basically become Mark McGuire. And you're, uh, oh, Gordon, you're getting carried. He's not Mark McGuire. Oh, no? On pace, if over 162 games, the way he's, what he's doing right now, he's on pace to hit 70 home runs. That sounds like Mark McGuire to me. Now they're never going to give him the MVP. Don't get carried. Don't get into that, because you know that he, they're not going to give him that title. They just don't. Anytime it's close on an award, the Yankee will lose, and the rules will always flip flop from year to year, right? But he, I think he has the title of best first baseman in New York. I don't even think that one's close. Don't think that one's close at all. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Your moment of inspiration for this uh, Friday. And the poll question is up on the uh, Regal Tumble question. I got to be honest, if I had a vote, like I've done a lot of prep work and you guys have helped by suggesting your Regal Tumble TV shows, greatest TV show of all time. And 
we're kind of a little bit down the road on that, but I have to be honest, the greatest TV theme song of all time to me is probably the more intri- interesting and intriguing uh, area to focus on. So you can vote. It's up on Twitter. We will go with what the results of the poll question will be. Whatever the whatever the that's what I'm about, man. I'm about bringing people together, allowing you to have a voice on a show here. You know, a lot of these shows you can't get through to. You can't connect with them unless you're just, you know, sitting in your house with nothing to do and constantly calling them. You know, you try to get through to Rick, Chris, and Dave. Their 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 phone lines are jam packed. They're a very popular show. The K Show, forget about it. You can't get through to them. This show you can get through at a moment's notice. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. The, I think we're the most interactive show on the station. We've got poll questions every day. I'm on Instagram just slaying that. We take your phone calls at the drop of a hat. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Matt is in Marlboro. Matt, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Gordon. How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, first off, Debbie Duhane is my Friday hero because she mentioned a traffic report here in Monmouth County that is literally two minutes down the road for me. So when I heard that, I almost spit up my coffee because we usually talk about death and destruction on the New York pathways. So uh, a major shout out to her. She's the uh, best. Her, she, she really is. The Magic Eight Ball is very comical. It's very Jets-esque. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I can't thank you enough for the laugh that I got for that yesterday. Uh, I would trust the Magic 8-Ball myself. I agree with everything you said about Gase. I don't know why you said Kenny Stills is a talent, but that's okay. And then, Well, look, I mean, he's not, a, he's, not a gr- I mean, he's not a great receiver, but he's a big play guy, right? He's a guy that stretches the field, and, and if he's your number one receiver, you're in a little bit of trouble, but, uh, you know, he, he can play NFL football. I got gotcha. you. And then about your poll question, did you know that Dominic Smith is having like an MVP type season, having about, I think he has about 30 less at bats. He has a hundred more points in the batting average and he's on pace for over 150 RBIs. If this were a regular season, he's been great. He's been great. So you kind of look at last year with Alonzo and the home runs were nice and the flash with the home run derby champion. And you just wonder because Dominic Smith, when he came in a couple years ago, along with Conforto, you notice that they were a little bit on the uh, not, you know, I'll say thicker side. And mm-hmm. they've definitely gotten shape and they've gotten serious. And I think that those two guys, along with Alonzo, nothing, nothing against Alonzo. We all like Alonzo as Met fans. But I think Dominic Smith has a chance to be just as much as a core for the Mets moving forward, along with Conforto and Alonzo. Well, look, the fact that they've added the, the DH in the National League is a huge boost because other than – I know you can probably just stick Great. him in the outfield someplace, uh, but he – I mean, it's pretty clear at this point. Uh, look, maybe he improves, but he, it's pretty clear he's he's a first baseman. Um, but, no, you're right. I mean, his – not and really the Mets' offensive numbers, I know at the beginning of the year they just could not buy a hit with runners in scoring position and a lot of guys were right. struggling. But you take a look at the line. I mean, Nimmo has been exactly what you want him to be. Uh, and even his batting average this year has been pretty good. But, it, you know, for him, it's about getting on base. He's getting on base 40% of the time. Conforto's having an amazing season. Uh, Robinson Cano. I mean, how good has Robinson Cano been? 321, 361, 547. So the offense is the strength of the Mets team. Unfortunately, their pitching is just so bad 
that exactly. I don't think it's going to matter this year. Uh, and, and, you know, what they do with that in the offseason when Steve Cohn comes in, um, we'll see. Uh, you know, they have. I, I think the Mets are starting to suck people back in with the way that they played against the Phillies now that you get the Braves. And it's not just that it's the Braves. The the pitching, the, the, the way it lines up, where do, I had it here someplace. Um, it is Mats, Peterson, Waka, and then I think you take on the Rays and it's Porcello. You know, it's the other four days of the week. It's going to be very difficult to uh, to get wins when it's not uh, either DeGrom or Lugo. Yeah, no, I agree. And I don't know if the DH rule, I think it has to happen in the next CBA where they ultimately ratify. I think Yeah, but they're going to do that. Back, I, yeah, I think, I think preseason football is as much done as the DH is going to be implemented in the NL at this point. You know, my yeah, dad's a longtime baseball historian, and he said the DH has got to be implemented in the NL at this point. So, look, out of yeah. all the dopey rules, that one makes the most sense, right? Like, you, you, I, I know that people don't like the the you know the losing the pitcher hitting, but I mean, just in terms of a sport, you can't have one league doing one thing and a lo- the other half of the league not doing it. You know, just it's dopey, and it took a long time. And out of all the rules that they put in this year, that one that one actually makes sense. Yes, and then right. one more pivot. I think the Jets are going to win on Sunday because I think every Jet fan is rooting for the tank now officially, and right. we're going to win the game that we're not supposed to win. <laughs> well, you know, Matt, uh, that would be uh, that would be shocking, and I would just simply say, and thanks for the call, Matt, um, I, I don't see how it can happen. I mean, Sam can't – he's powerless. I mean, the offensive line, the weapons – oh, God, the weapons, how the Jets have failed him. I mean, there's just no, there's just no way. There's just no way he's not. I, I would say don't even, don't even show up. And I don't mean in like the the figurative sense, like last Sunday when they didn't show. Up. I mean in the literal sense. Just say, you know what? We we just can't. We can't hack it. We. It's amazing. Every other team in every other sport, they're held to the the results on the field. The players are held to how they perform. Sam, no, no, no. He's the golden child. Do you see what I'm saying when I say it's a cult? There is a portion of the fan base. I have them telling me on Twitter. I have them telling me on Instagram. What, 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 what do you expect them to do? I don't know. Not look like it's the not look worse than the last time I saw him. How about that? Like you could make the argument that Sunday was maybe his worst performance, and that's saying something considering he had a game where he openly admitted to seeing ghosts on the field. But he can't do anything. It's not his fault. It's everybody else's fault. Mostly the coach. Who is, I think we can all agree, terrible. But it's not, whatever it is, it's not the quarterback. He's great. So uh, net picks and chill this week. Uh, I'll be honest, with all the amount of sports, I really have not uh, focused too much on non-sports programming. Uh, the, the previous selections still, I think, hold up. If you have not already started to watch The Vow on HBO, or uh, if you're just looking for a nice, breezable, bingeable show, a little 80s nostalgia, certainly um, Cobra Kai on Netflix is, is certainly that. So uh, those two, I think if I had anything, any TV show to suggest, I think it would probably just be at this point Yankees baseball. Just watch Yankees baseball. Every episode is fantastic. Shocking plot twists, explosive developments. Luke Voigt hitting another home run. It's amazing. It's incredible. So no real new suggestion for net picks and chill for this week. But uh, if you're looking for something and you haven't already decided, well, look, 
you can't go wrong with Yankee baseball. And it's and and the beauty of that is it's pretty much on every single night. And uh, unlike Met baseball, it will be continuing into October. Like the season doesn't end anytime soon. So you know that going in. You know that going in. All right, so a couple other things before we uh, get back to your calls. 1-800-919-ESPN, the uh, poll question, which is up for today. It is on Twitter. And it's focusing on the regal tumble preparations, which uh, it looks like whenever the baseball season ends, uh, that's when we'll really start it. So we're asking you, should we go with our original idea of simply the greatest TV show ever, or should we pivot and go to greatest TV theme song? I myself... I think I probably, if I had a vote, I would go theme song because I think that that one is really kind of up for grabs. And I would be interested to see how the, the people vote, especially with the Regal Tumble format. But at least so far, and I'm a man of the people, I bring people together. That's what I, I'm known for two things. Well, maybe three things. I'm known for bringing people together. I'm known for being Michael K. Show trivia champion, Gordon Damer. As well as being Stump Rothenberg living legend Gordon Damer, now effective up to 87% accuracy. Those are the things I'm known for, if I'm known at all. My kids tell me this all the time. So, uh, But I'm a man of the people. I will go with whatever the people vote today on the poll question, which is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. That will be the focus of the first annual Gordon Damer show, Regal Tumble. All right, so... A couple of things of football as we get into week two and a really important game for the Giants this week. And, um, you know, the face off against the Bears. And look, the Giants seasons, the last three years have not only been abysmal, they've been over basically from when they began. So you look at a Bears team that I'm sure they're looking at the Giants the same way. But if the Giants want to, I think that even though they lost on Monday night, I think that you look at that one game in a vacuum and you see a lot of positives, right? The fact that Daniel Jones might be running for his life, but is still guiding the team to win, to have a shot to win. The fact that the defense, at least early on, looked far, you know, looked active, and it, and it's tough to judge like what's real and what's just week one overblown. Because we only got the one week to go on. Is there really any def- difference with the Giants' defense? Well, I think we're going to see overall. I think Blake Martinez looked great. Uh, he, I mean, that was a signing that they made in the offseason, at least for one game. I mean, he, he did it, you know, he was very active, a lot of tackles. I think he had 12, 13 tackles on the night. So we'll see if, if the offense clicks, if Daniel Jones takes a step forward. But a lot of the focus on the Giants has been about Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley did not have a good game, had a terrible game. He had basically one play where he caught the little uh, pass in the backfield and, and, and ran for like 40 yards, and, and that was really the only time that you felt like he was um, really involved in. And think about that. The Giants were in the game, and Saquon Barkley did basically nothing. So there have been some comments, but I guess most notably Tiki Barber on his show, saying about you know criticizing Saquon Barkley for his uh, blocking ability, his blocking performance in the backfield saying he's not a complete back. If you don't, if you don't do that, you're not a three down back. I will just say this. Uh, look, the Giants get a lot of criticism. Some of it fair, some of it unfair. Saquon Barkley's blocking has not been good. We've seen that time and time again. Saquon Barkley is the least of the Giants problems. I get that he did nothing on Monday, but boy, oh boy, we, we, Sam Darnold, everybody, oh, what is he supposed to do? What the hell was Saquon Barkley supposed to do? I mean, he was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage basically every play. It wasn't like 
he was dancing for a hole or he was indecisive, you know, pick a hole, pick a lane and go. He would get the ball and he was hit every single time. And the more troubling aspect of that is, again, it's only one game and it might just be an outlier. The offensive line was terrible. It was terrible run blocking. It was terrible pass blocking. And think of all the assets and resources that the Giants what the first problem was when Dave Gettleman took the job was the offensive line. Fix the offensive line. Fix, and they've done they've trades, signings, draft picks, and it still looks like it's terrible. I mean, Daniel Jones was running for his life. Now, if you want to talk about anybody who is actually blameless for their performance, I still think that Saquon, you know, every, everybody gets criticized if you don't perform. That's the game. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But if anybody, if you were ranking the people who were actually blameless for what they did or didn't do, I think he's kind of blameless for what he did or didn't do. Even that one play that everybody's focusing on about missing the block, it looks like what his actual—I don't know. I don't think anybody actually knows. I don't think that Joe Judge has given an answer on it. It looks like what his actual task was was what he was doing, and then somebody else came in, so it looked like Saquon missed the block when it wasn't really his— his um his main focus on that play. But, I mean, in terms of if you want to focus on areas where the Giants need to improve or areas of criticism, um, I, don't, I don't think uh, barking up the Saquon Barkley tree is, is the right way to go. I mean, uh, and, and then this is somebody who's, uh, who didn't think it was the right pick at number two uh, for all the reasons that have been laid out. But the, the questions now about, well, do you pay Saquon? What do you... You made that decision when you draft him, and look, there's a possibility, I guess, of someone else being the GM after this year, and it won't be, um, or, or whenever the 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 the, Sa- the Saquon Barkley contract becomes a question, it, it might be somebody else who did not make that pick. But with the Giants, and in terms of any NFL team, in terms of of talent, you you really can't allow talent to get away from you when you are over the last three years the worst team in the NFL. So I think you kind of made that decision when you drafted him. So that's the one thing about the Giants and Saquon, which I think is completely off base. I mean, there's lots of areas to focus on, and, and we'll see how they perform on um, on Sunday. We're already out of time. We're already out of time. The show's already, oh, my gosh. There's so many things I still have to hit on. Well, I'm not going to hit on them today. We'll see you on Monday. It's the Gordon Damer Show over and out for today. We'll see you Monday. Please vote on the poll question. We'll see you Monday at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.